So the premise of this talk, I don't know if you guys have been to many talks before, but usually talks are sort of done like on a stage where you guys are like 100 feet away, you know, we're like on an elevated stage. The concept of this room is like a conference room, right? This is like a meeting room. You, we're in the meeting, we're in the conference table, you guys are in the meeting attending this meeting, right? And that's why we wanted to make it very intimate and close up, and Chuck is already Instagramming. But yeah, so let's, let's start with uh, some introductions. Sophia, if you want to start first, who you are, what you do, how Hi. you represent. My name's Sophia Chang. I'm an illustrator and designer by trade. Uh, I also co-founded Undo Ordinary, which is a health and wellness platform. We also have a biannual print publication that's focused on health and wellness, nutrition, and really just starting that dialogue within the industry that we're in. Um, and it's really just our way of breaking the algorithm of how people digest information. All right. Cool. You guys? I'm Benjamin Gott, or Benjamin Edgar. Um, Chuck and I know each other through a blog we started called The Brilliance in 2005, before the internet was cool. And um, went on to work on a bunch of projects that kind of worked. One that's notable is I uh, founded a company called Boxed Water, and now I primarily work in venture capital and doing a bunch of other random projects. Hello, my name is Chuck Anderson. Um, people probably know me better as No Pattern. I feel like I have to introduce myself like that or else people are like, who the hell are you? Um, but yeah, we've been doing the Brilliant since uh, 2005. Um, still kind of do it to this day. It's a little bit like a time capsule of the internet. Um, but uh, started right around the time that uh, Hypebeast came out and we kind of clicked with those guys right away and just kind of kinship of intrigue and curiosity about what was going on in the world and wanted to kind of make our own platform about it. And, here we are 13 years later chatting about it with Jeff. So, yeah. so talk about the, um, the founding of The Brilliance and why you guys decided to like start the thing even. And by the way, there's, I think there's a key missing member of The Brilliance. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Virgil What's he, might it? or might not be. Yeah, you know, busy. Some, some, guy, some guy designing at Louis Vuitton or some shit, like too busy for us. Yeah. No, but Virgil was like Yeah, Virgil Abloh was part of the team a year after we launched it. Yeah. yeah. So he, Virgil reached out to us and did like a, basically like a, hey, I just did a couple of posts to show you what I could write. This is like 2006, and we were like, this seems cool, sure. It kind of came on We actually on said no to him first. Yeah, and we a did. Year later, we <laughs> and it was just like... Wait, Virgil submitted some writing samples? He submitted writing samples for the brilliance, and we read them, and we're like, all right, it sounds pretty good. Wow. And he was just a dude, though. It was what 2006. Was it was like... No, 2006. Yeah, yeah. So it was just That's not crazy. really a thing yet, and, but it was awesome, obviously, to watch like the ascension you know, over the years. Yeah. Um, but it basically started out of, like, Ben and I were just friends in high school, and we were really curious about things. And this is, like, pre-social media, um, pre-saturation that we all know now. Um, so we would just dig on the Internet and, like, email links back and forth all the time. And one day I was like, we should start a blog about this. And I think Ben the, was like, the, the interesting note about it, I was a software developer by trade before that, and there wasn't content management systems back then. So if you wanted to start a blog, for the most part, you had to build the actual content management system. So the reason why our site looks the way that it does is usually you just build a rough version of it and then you apply design to it later. We just left it, like after I finished programming. So that's why it looks right. so horrible. Like Which that. is so trending now, that whole look. Yeah, we, it wasn't <laughs> trending back then, but yeah. <laughs> right. Um, and by the way, I mean, I know he briefly introduced himself, but, but Ben is involved in a lot of things. If you've ever had a boxed water, like that white bottle of boxed water, he 
founded that company, um, which is pretty amazing. And you also have a, you want to talk about thoughts a little bit? Yeah, I'll talk about that one quickly. It's, uh, it's still in its experiment fo- uh, mode, and thank you, Jeff and Sophia and Chuck, for both being, that's pretty incredible that you're both on it. I, I had this idea, like, we all live, so Virgil reached out to us via email back in the day, and now that's often done by a DM, via DM or, like, a comment, like, check out my mixtape, you know, look at this T-shirt I'm designing, want some feedback. And a lot of times those people I look at it as, like, really annoying. Like, get out of the comments. There's too many DMs. But what they're really doing is they're choosing their educator. And so mm-hmm. we decided to create a platform that allowed people to, we curate a bunch of really interesting experts in a variety of different fields. And then um, we allow you to ask them questions in this really simple Q&A format um, for, for $10, which is effectively the same as saying, hey, can I pick your brain over some coffee, but being able to do that via the internet in a very controlled way. So it's kind of our take on education. Yeah, that, that's how you pitched it to me. You're like, how many people hit you up and say, can I take you out for a coffee? This is a digital way of doing that. Jeff was bucks. skeptical, and then he joined, which we appreciate yeah, that. Yeah, it's been good. It's still an experiment right now, but we're, it's, we're excited about next year. Yeah. So, Sophia, you are a designer, art director. Um, you sort of built a lot of your career on the digital space. The reason why I wanted to have you on is because you decided, like, in 2017 to start a print publication 2013, but that's okay. Okay, fine. But recently you decided to go into print. Why, did, why do you feel like it was time to do a print publication? Um, it kind of just happened. So with Undo, what we really try to do every opportunity we get is, if we can, to stimulate all five senses, right? Because now when we live in this digital age, it's physical motion of scrolling and maybe sound and visuals. But, like, how can we bring us back to human, because at the end of the day, undo is really all about health and wellness, right? It's about eating well, making sure your bowel movements are good, you're drinking enough water, Shout you're out bowel sleeping movements. well, exactly. And actually, I was thinking about everything when I was coming over to the talk, and in a way, you actually played a part in this. So, so? I, started, I started working, well, actually, undo was started by two other friends, and then I kind of joined on, Robin Arzon and Naivasha Thomas, who couldn't join me today. Um, But I was actually starting my own fitness journey because after I graduated Parsons, um, I was working a lot. I was freelancing, and I was sitting at the computer for so long that I started to get, like, shooting pains on my back and my traps and my low back because I wasn't sitting right. And, you know, I was getting, like, pains from uh, clicking on a mouse, making vector stuff, and that's when I transitioned into a tablet. But... You said something once where you were like, yeah, I'm going to the gym to meet my trainer. And I was like, why do you need a trainer? And you're like, that's the only thing that'll get me to go to the gym. Mm -hmm. And then I realized I have that issue where I have to pry myself away from my computer to go work out. And then I signed up for a trainer at Lucille Roberts, which is a women's gym. (laughs) I don't know if anyone's (laughs) heard of it. That's what I could afford at the time. Um, I signed up for a trainer. Working out and hating every moment of it made me eat better because I realized I'm paying for this shit, so I might as well, whatever. And then as I was learning all this cool stuff about, I don't know, vegetables and drinking water, all this stuff that I didn't care about earlier, uh, I was like, where do I put this? And then I met a community of creatives who also valued running and health and wellness and then I was like, and I, and I have a background in print, um, print magazine. I used to work with Complex, and that's how I learned InDesign. And I was like, well, if Undo, this entire ethos, this community of people, this mentality of valuing health was translated into print, 
what would that be? What would the colors be? What would the players be like? Who would we interview? What kind of content would it roll out as? And, and then it happened. And then the first book happened. And everyone was like, yeah, dope. Everyone was super supportive. Um, and then we realized, oh, we're kind of onto something. So I was like, fuck it. I'm just going to keep doing it. And it's a lot of money. Um, but Out of curiosity, do you make money on hell the... Hell no. <laughs> I'm not even letting you finish that. No. No. You but, don't make money on the print magazine. No. My accountant every year is like, why is this happening right now? But I think there's multiple things that have happened from the magazine. Most importantly, lives are changed. Like, people are like, I'll ask, like, a homie that's a photographer or stylist to work on a project with us, and they're like, I've never done anything like this before, and, oh, my gosh, this book that I'm in made me read the book, and I'm like, oh, cool, it kind of made me work out a little bit more, and then I started eating better, and then I met some other people who did it, and it's this, like, ripple effect, Mm -hmm. and it's for the greater good, because... Everyone, you know, wants to look at cool designers and cool musicians and cool producers. But at the end of the day, if you're not sleeping well and you're not, your health isn't in order, you can't create. Yes. We can't do that anymore. All of us here understand that. Like, if you haven't slept well, you're not going to be in your tip-top shape the next day. Hence this glowing skin. Thank you. (laughs) Um, I'm going to ask you guys the same question. How much money does the brilliance take in? Well, I mean, after we went public... Chuck laughs uh, loudly. None, ever. The, the, the brilliance has never made money. I think this Actually, event might be the first time the, we're going to pull... The selling of merch here is the first time there's been any sort of substantial income. Okay. We, but that's kind of funny to think because Hypebeast went public. We started at the same time. Yeah. But we did not go public. You know? <laughs> but, I mean, the brilliance must have sort of brought in revenue oh, yeah. through indirect yeah. means. Sort of like what Sophia was saying, there's like a ripple yeah, yeah. effect, right? Can you talk about some of those ripples? The the connections that the brilliance made for us personally and professionally and the people that we met and the relationships that were developed through interviewing people and through supporting kind of pockets of culture um, in different ways, I think led to um, kind of uh, create a larger narrative for each of us individually, you know, and like both Ben and Virgil and myself, like, you know, just met a lot of people through the internet and we had to before Twitter, before Instagram, like we had to make our own place to meet people, essentially. And I think that that did definitely ultimately factor into like the larger picture of all our careers individually. Right. Do you um, remember a moment where like when you're working on the brilliance where like something happened where you're like, holy shit, this is real like. Yeah. I think well, the future is for you. you. You rented out a condo on the Brilliance. Yeah, that's ben, actually ben one of the used it as like a I real estate. A, I, like, I used to do these posts called Friday Randoms. This is, this is going to be pretty random and then we'll do a more interesting one. And I would just kind of talk about things that were interesting, basically what Twitter is now. And at the end of it, I had um, I had just bought my first investment property, totally over leveraged myself. Um, I still have it, by the way, though. And I put at the end, I was like, oh, I had this condo. Someone found that. Again, this is like, I, don't, I still don't know how. And I've gone on to be great friends with them and rented my condo through that. Uh-huh. I also got offered a job at Nike as like a creative director and things like because that. More of like, the brilliance. oh, yeah, 100%. Yeah. 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 Well, do you remember? I, oh, go ahead. I was just yeah. gonna say one really thing. One I think really important like moment in the life of the brilliance that I think was like really unique for Ben and I was we all one of the like we did posts, uh, but we also did interviews, and we were really taken by Ace Hotel at the time. This is like two thousand six, 
So like it had just started, and Alex Calderwood, um, who is now passed, but um, the founder Alex, of Ace. So Alex yeah. Calderwood is the founder of Ace Hotel, and we reached out uh, wanting to interview him, and he's like, "Yeah, I'd love to do that, but you guys should come out. I'll put you up in my hotel. You can see it firsthand." Um, and so we actually went out and like, I mean, I, neither of us, I don't think, I can't speak for you, but like we weren't particularly well traveled at the time. Uh, it was the first time the brilliance afforded us a chance to travel and we met him in person and did an interview and became close with the guy and had a great time and did a really super interesting in-depth interview. So I think like that was really a particularly special, I think kind of moment in history yeah. for us with that. Cause just what he went on to create and what the ace has become. I think seeing the genesis of it is something that was really special yeah. for both of us. And, um, you know, right. So, yeah. Sophia, do you remember a moment in undo's history where you were like, wow, this is working? Yeah. When we started hearing from friends within our community that started valuing health and wellness. So, you know, we're buds with Mike Sherman. Uh huh. Um, Chinatown Market, yes. Mike Sherman. Yeah. Yeah. Also former ICNY, RIP. Um, but it's really just asking friends. It's yeah. really just asking friends because everyone has a story to tell. Um, and so, you know, we got him involved when, you know, just for our second issue, which was themed nomadic lifestyle. So uh -huh. everything when it came to fashion, um, nutrition, uh, health was around that. Um, people who travel often. And so we included him probably because it was like cold themed or something. Um, but then I, I don't know if that was a moment that sparked it for him, but then he started like working out. He kind of realized, oh my gosh, I need to fix my nutrition situation because he works really, really, really hard. Yeah. And I think he realized it was beating down his body. And that's actually been happening to me recently where I realized because I love what I do, I don't care if... I'm not feeling well, you know, mm -hmm. like if like physically you're not feeling well, or you feel a little bit sick, you're like, you're willing to get up in the morning and put in those extra hours, even though your back hurts because you haven't like stretched in a while. Yeah. And I think that's a message that entrepreneurs need to hear more and open up that dialogue that in fact, because you love what you do, you're willing to go that extra mile and it can actually be detrimental to your health and mm -hmm. stay mindful of that. Definitely. I want to ask all of you guys this question because I bet there's a lot of creators in this room right now that are similarly working on a, like a passion project that they haven't figured out how to generate revenue from yet. And they probably ask themselves, like, how much longer can I keep sustaining this passion project without making money? You guys are giving three examples of like you doing it and then it paying off. Maybe not directly from the thing that you were making, but in an auxiliary way. So what do you tell those people? Do you tell them just keep going and it's going to happen or go work at Starbucks or what? Well, actually, I have actually given the Starbucks suggestion before. I mean, it's funny because it's like if you truly hit like a spot where like you have zero income coming in and, and you're, you're not willing to go work in an environment that you don't really like that much or whatever it might be, they offer health insurance, you're going to get a decent amount of pay. It's like how bad do you want whatever you're working on to work is kind of always been my thing. Like if you don't want it that bad, then it won't happen. And if you really want it that bad, you're willing to kind of go through the times that aren't great. And yeah. then for the ancillary projects like the brilliance that don't necessarily um, generate any revenue, the education I had from that around culture and how to interact with people, how to interview people, how to identify things that were interesting, played in incredibly well when I launched Boxed Water to know the right events to have our water at, the right places to be, the cool stores to be in, the cool markets, which eventually led to more financial gain yeah. in that instance. Yeah. Chuck, what, what would I mean, you say? I, I can speak better for my kind of main thing as no pattern. I mean, like... 
I was a kid in high school who loved art and loved design, and I taught myself Photoshop, and, you know, and I graduated high school in 2003, and I didn't go to college. So, you know, I, you I didn't, didn't go have, to college? I didn't go to college. Me neither. Yeah. yeah. I didn't go to college because Ben and I were friends in high school, and I knew he didn't go to college, and he was doing fine for himself, and I was like, well, then maybe I'll be fine, or I'll take a year off, and my parents were kind of like, that's cool. Just take forever off. Wow. I mean, well, <laughs> it was going to be one year, but that's when no, no pattern kind of, like, bubbled up and, like, a lot of stuff happened. And I was like, well, at this point, at this pace, like, why would I go back? Okay. Um, but I was also kind of doing it uh, almost out of, like, a blissful ignorance to, you know what I mean? Like, and I was in the sh- – I think, like, these things have a lot to do with individual situations and, and family dynamics and financial right. and all that kind of stuff. Right. You know, and I think at the time I was, like, cautioned to the wind – I mean, I had nothing to lose. Yeah. Um, whereas now at 33 and with a daughter, like, I mean, just like my outlook on life and the world and like my reason for being and like everything is very different. But at the time at 18, 19, 20, you know, I mean, I could afford to stay up as late as I wanted and bust my ass until something finally worked. Yeah. You know, and for me it did um, in, the, in those respects, but it's very different now. Um, but I think what I tell people is just like, I don't know, man, you got to like figure out like a certain ceiling for sure. Cause yeah, definitely. you don't want to spin your wheels forever. But Sophia, you graduated, right? Yeah. Okay. We have one college one graduate. I know, but I don't know if you actually graduated. Yeah. Sophia was in one of my classes at Parsons. I used to teach a class at Parsons and she was in the class. So yeah. I'm glad to hear you graduated. Good. Thank you. <laughs> um, what do you tell people that are like, I'm trying to figure this passion project out. I don't know much, how much longer I could do it for. So just to reiterate, Undo's totally a passion project of mine, and I have a whole, like, two other businesses that I focus on that generates revenue for me. Um, but I think currency is important to be able to, like, figure out what that currency is and your return on your investment, so ROI. But your, in, your investment in terms of, you know, your time and your money if you're working on a passion project. For us, I would say... I'm happier that we've been able to change multiple lives through our platform and it's made them a better person and it's made them change their perspective and value on things and in fact has actually then changed and positively affected their career and and the way they work because of that. That is way more immeasurable than like numbers. However, if we can meet someone who believes in our passion (laughs) and believes in the cause and has a shit ton of money, we'll work with them. You know? Do you take advertising in Undo Arner? We do, but it's more of uh, we're always happy to like shoot the content for them. So like we every single issue, we reach out to different health and wellness. Not companies. a lot of cigarette ads in your magazine, water. right? Huh? Probably no not a lot of cigarette ads. ads. It's hard. Okay, so then we can talk about that, right? So <laughs> it costs about um, five thousand dollars to print the magazine. Okay. And then we How have shipping copies? and handling. How many copies do you do? Five hundred copies. Okay, so you probably I think this know is, this Chinese is person that knows uh, better, better, pri- better I, I, I get you better price. No, but so it's <laughs> so five hundred magazines you print, and it costs about five thousand dollars. Yes. Okay, that's a heavy investment. That's a heavy investment. Plus, we pay for envelopes and postage. Guess who's the distribution department? It's me. <laughs> um, yeah. So every time orders get in, I pack and ship everything. I bring it down. You know, whatever. I don't mind. There's yeah. been times where I brought like. A hundred pounds, and I'm sure you remember this when you first started out, when you start getting crazy orders, I'm lugging this thing down to my local post office, and they're like, you can't come in here at this time. You just, you have to figure out another time to come in here, because we're busy, and we can't be doing, like, 200, Shit. like, shipments right. Individual right now. Yeah, and I yeah. didn't have, like, um, those printers that print out the stickers, so I had to, like, manually write everything and yeah. tape everything. 
And then, you know, the receipt I get is, like, super long. But it's moments like that. I'm proud of those moments because it's, like, your blood, sweat, and tears is there. Yeah. Um, Every so, individual order is, like, so important, exactly. right? Exactly. Yeah. And so... Uh, yeah, at the end of the day, it's like, it's, it's worth it to me. I'm right. down because again, the whole point of a passion project is because it makes you happy. You yeah. wake up and you're down to do it, even if it takes a lot of work. And I'm sure perhaps we'll get to a point where it's like, uh, you know, we might have to debt it. I'm waiting for it till we get to issue 10 We're we're starting issue eight. That's going to be themed on sleep. But once we get to 10, I want to do a cool little hardcover book situation and then we'll see. So when you get to issue ten, I just want to remind you, you will have spent you will have spent fifty thousand dollars on undue ordinary. Yep. Minimum. Yeah. So advertising, real quick. We do reach out to ads. It's extremely difficult to sell ads in a print magazine that's a limited run, um, is limited distribution in boutiques. It's me, actually, that calls or travels and sees a boutique and is like, oh, let me hit them up. Cold email. Yeah. It's a lot of work. Yeah. I want to, as we wind this up, I want to ask each of you guys, you guys started the blog before blogs were even a thing. Now you sort of have a resurgence in the brilliance. You now are doing merch in the brilliance, right? What is the future of the messaging of the medium going to be for us? On the internet, on the internet in general? Anyway, it could be fucking smoke signals. I don't know what it's going to be like. The Pony <laughs> Express. Smoke, yeah, smoke signals are going to be huge in, in 2019. <laughs> um, I think what's really fascinating is uh, we were talking about podcasts at dinner last night. Yes, podcasts. So podcasts are really old. In fact, if you go on YouTube and, and search the first time Steve Jobs explaining them what they are, it's like forever ago. And wow. no one really thought it was that interesting, by the way, at yeah. the time. Do you remember that? They no, I got to look for it. They didn't hit. So it's like I'm interested to see how those are being consumed now because everyone's always so busy and running around and you can put your headphones in and consume what's effectively a TV show. I actually think podcasts are going to have one hell of another two, three years ahead of them. Yeah. And I think there's going to be new ways to monetize them that are going to make them very attractive. I, ha I have to vouch for that, not because I have a podcast. And we didn't talk about this before. <laughs> yeah, but I will say that if you guys listen to podcasts, try to not watch a podcast on YouTube. Try to only listen to it. You know, when, when I started my podcast with Hypebeast, Hypebeast was like, you got to do it on video because everyone watches video. Everyone's on YouTube. And I was like, fuck that. I don't want a video. I want it only to be audio because yeah. I really feel like when you only listen to something and don't watch something, it triggers like a different part of your brain. I also agree. Like, go on walks while you listen to them. Yeah. Put your phone in your pocket and consume yeah. them that yep. way. Exactly. Yeah. Chuck, what do you think is the future? I mean, I don't, my answer might be more like based in what I personally like a lot, and I see a resurgence of a lot of print design, mm -hmm. yeah. um, and yeah. people kind of, and it's a short, compressed time span when you think about it, but you know, I feel like print kind of had a decline, but there's a, you know, people are interested in tactile things after a saturation of being on the internet all the time, so um, I think like artists being interested in making things that are printed, you know, whether it's a version of you know, something that's already in the internet or just a simple zine or whatever. I just yeah. kind of am appreciating, like, younger generations latching on it. Like, I have a 22-year-old brother who, like, puts his music on cassettes and vinyl. Like, and I, you know, so I mean, the equivalent of that in, in the visual space, you know, being magazines, books, um, screen printing, like, right. anything like that. And just kind of keeping, like, older trades and crafts alive, yeah. I think is kind of intriguing to me because, like, technology and, like, the future, that's going to happen. But I think that it's it's on some of the traditionalists who want to kind of continue like uh delivering what they love yeah. to like future generations so i think like it's it'll be interesting to see 
older crafts evolve as Definitely. those things kind of like parallel with it. You know, I just bought a uh, a typewriter from 1975. Yay! Congrats. <laughs> okay. Yeah, everyone's so excited. Yeah, no, typewriters are dope. I, I, it's a lot of money, but like I went out and it researched. It makes you value. The re reason why I said congrats is because I've been talking about typewriters, but. Uh, it makes you value your words. It makes yeah. you v value what you type because you can't, I, I don't know, if they, they don't have backspaces, right? You have to roll yeah, it no, and then no white backspace. out. Yeah, yeah. It you have, makes to, you you have to go XXX when you make a mistake. And you, there's not even an exclamation point. To make an exclamation point, you have to hit a period, a backspace, and an apostrophe. That's how you make an exclamation point. But now when you type an exclamation point, you really mean it. You're not just like, yeah, and then like hitting mad exclamation points. It's dope. Okay, so what's the, what's the future for you? Is, is it also more print? Um, I, we value print because you can bring it to the grave with you. Like I just had this like aha moment the other day where it's like my goal in my career is to be in more bound books than to be in blog posts. Because I, like, there's moments real, where I have yeah. it, like, on the shelf at home. And I can be like, I was in this book. Or I go to the yeah. museum. And I'm like, like, I, that's goals for me. Um, and I think behind the, the biggest thing, aside from, you know, changing lives and whatever for undo, is that it's really community-driven. You know, mm -hmm. everyone, like, jumps to gun. No shots at hypebeast. But every time, you know, there's something that's posted that's hot and, and it's new, everyone is willing to save money or drop a shit ton of money for that. But instead of that, why don't we look at the people around us who are already doing little passion projects and support people local, support your homie who's got a t-shirt brand that's 50 bucks, but, you know, yeah. just support people. And that's, right. that's really what the magazine is. It's built up of community. Also, might I mention, because we don't make any money, we don't pay any of our contributors. <laughs> so it's all been friends, but it's genuinely people who come again and again who are down to write for us, to edit for us, to, you know, shoot, put it together, an entire photo shoot with their friends just because. Yeah, that's And dope. so, yeah, it's cool. just like support your neighborhood. All right. Well, I want to thank you guys for sharing some insights. Thank you. I do want to open it up now to uh, the audience. If you have any questions, any questions out in the audience, just raise your hand. I think we have a, a mic runner. Yes, right over here on the left by the window. Oh, he's right behind you, the mic guy. So uh, I'm a big fan of storytelling, so I want to ask you guys, do you feel like the art of storytelling is becoming lost? Has is, it become what? A what? is it becoming lost, lost like the art of lost. storytelling? Has the art of storytelling become I lost? I actually feel strongly that it's... Hi, Ryan. I feel strongly that it's not because I work on the agency side as well, and clients and agencies alike are both always trying to, like, kind of the new... You know, and it's almost like a little overdone to us in a sense because everybody wants like, how do we tell our story? What's the narrative? What's the bigger idea? So we don't just do this little flash in the pan thing. How do we do something that tells like has a beginning, a middle, and an end, and really has an arc to it? Um, so I actually don't think it is. I just think it's like in this sort of flux, like evolving time. At least like in the world that I'm I'm in, um, I think. But I think there's a lot of people who are trying to find something that is lasting, and I think the way that you do that is by telling a larger story or at least listening to what's going on so that it can be translated to, you know, other people in a way that makes sense, like, holistically as opposed to just little, you know. I think that's why the brilliance always was so interesting because it was, like, not super short, like a tweet, but it wasn't long form so that you kind of, like, check out after paragraph six. It was, like, this really, like, small medium, like, medium. Yeah, I think the length, length of your storytelling yeah. now is really key, right? Like, Blog posts used to be able to be like pages. Tweets were 140, 250, whatever. 
Instagram seems like the caption can only be so visually like you don't want to write a caption that you have to like yeah, keep doing. Yeah, no one usually look crazy when you do that. Yeah. <laughs> I just did that for my last post. By Sorry, the way. man. <laughs> okay, so what do you think? Uh, I think the pendulum swings. I think uh, when we started, it was about writing, and right now it's largely about photography or photos and consuming it that way. I think time goes on, the pendulum swings, and it'll come back. I, so I don't think it's lost at all. I just think it's right now to Chuck's points in a different medium. Um, and I'm always cautious of, like, you're young, but I'm always cautious as I get older of being like, man, when I was blogging, it's like you're an old head instantly. So, like, always just watch how young people are doing things. They've got it figured out, you know? Yeah. Well, I think storytelling ties to emotion, so it's never going to die because humans experience emotion. So, like, whether you're seeing an ad, you're walking into... Uh, an exper- uh, like an experiential event or, you know, you go out with your friends, like every element, whether it's the sound, the music, the lighting, the water or the drink that you're drinking, like all of that are like touch points. Yeah. And all of those experiences tell a story, whether you're just experiencing it through, you know, like sometimes you watch a video and it you know, makes you a little sad or makes you happy. Like that's, that's, you know, the ability to tell good stories. Definitely. You could tell a good story with like a scent. You know, like anything. More and more and more with the internet. I mean, like every platform has video now, so stories are told through different ways than narration and podcasts like you're talking about. I mean, interviews are just like more popular than ever, but just like, I mean, even like watching an episode of like Hot Ones, you know, like watching people tell a story, but like with a different lens on it or Mm -hmm. like with a kind of twist to it is really interesting and like seeing people in in a different, unusual light. So I think like maybe it starts becoming quirkier and more memorable for generations that have shorter attention spans. Yeah. But in like more creative ways. Yep. I, that's what I think. So I was talking to like another creative recently. She's like an art director and very musically inclined, very musically inclined. But she mentioned something recently where she'll watch videos and listen to scores. So she'll turn it on mute so the visuals are something uh-huh. and just change that soundtrack. Of oh, wow. What, what you hear. Yeah. So whether, you know, so, I mean, it's kind of a fun challenge for you right. to, again, value what sound does to your emotions, value what visuals in that order and pauses yeah. and the smell, whatever. So there's ways that you can kind of shut out certain senses or switch it up to yep. absorb differently. Cool. Any other questions? Yes, back there. What's up? What's up? What's up, guys? How you doing? Good. Yo, Jeff, actually, I took your um, streetwear class back in 2012. It was oh, good 2014. Looking out. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thank you. But I got a question for you guys. Um, you guys have been doing this for a long time, like 2005, back, way back when, when this, before this even really started. Um, what kind of advice do you guys have for emerging designers or creatives that are trying to remain consistent and trusting the process and, and continue to evolve? Like, how do you guys trust yourselves to know what you're doing is right? Even if you don't feel that it's right, what makes you go? Stop looking at Instagram. And That's the good reason advice. why the okay, reason yeah, why, why I say that is because when I was in college, as I, it was actually James Jean. I was a really big fan of James Jean. I was like, oh my god, I want to be just like him when I'm older. And my friend, who's a classmate, he was like, you should never try to aim to to be that person because you can never be better than that person. Then you're not aiming to be better than that person. Not that I can ever be better than James Jean, anyways, but. It's where you set your goals, right? So the reason why I said Instagram is because if we're constantly looking at what everyone else is doing, we can't create our own ideas. And then our ideas become very cluttered. Yeah, I agree. I think that's true as you get older, but I don't think that's true when you're young and things are really formative. Because 
I absorbed so much, uh, especially where I lived, not being in like New York or even in Chicago in the city, like in the suburbs. I had to take myself out and get off the internet and go to like Borders bookstore and get a stack of magazines and just like absorb everything in it. I've sounded old because I'm talking yeah, about just, Borders. You just aged yourself <laughs> by saying Borders. Or like <laughs> Borders? Yeah, I know. I worked at a Borders. It's when like I was Amazon six. in real I, life. Yeah, I worked at a Borders when I was 16 so that I could get the employee discount. Like, I just wanted to be around shit. But it was actually, to me, and I'm not disagreeing with you because I think that point's valid, but depending on where you're at, if you're someone who's like evolving and like figuring it out, I do think it's important to aspire somehow, much like a 12 year old kid looks at a LeBron and is like, that's what I want to be when I grow up. Like, there's a certain aspiration like kind of level that I think is good to fuel you a little bit. But then like as you go, you start to figure out like kind of your version of it. You know what I mean? Yeah. I think, but now at our points in our careers, it's definitely, you have to like stop okay, comparing yourself. I'm also yourself. biased because I grew up in New York. So yeah. I had that the access be, to yeah. look at and a real... I think real... that's super important too, yes. to think about yeah. like where you're at. Because right. yeah. I felt disadvantaged by being where I was. So I had to do that, I felt like. I'll give like a quick one and kind of abstract. It's like... If you're in the art world, then this doesn't really apply. But if you're in this design world, like the best design solves a problem. And if you're making things and it's not being used or people aren't reacting to it, maybe it's not solving a problem. I found myself there quite a bit. So if you knock on the door like too many times in a row and it doesn't open, um, I know it can seem romantic. You know, like I'm trying so hard and no one's paying attention. Like it seems romantic to get lost in that, but maybe step back and realize that if you're trying to solve a problem and no one seems to want your solution, then... So I've been there. I challenge myself, like, all the time with that one. I think if you guys are familiar with, like, Ben's projects, like... Yeah. And, like, Y'all the little look it kind up. of... Like, ben, Ben's, like, really, like, an inventor-type designer. I mean, like, making and, like, tweaking things and whatever versus, like, someone like myself who's a little more concerned with, like pretty pictures a lot of times and visuals it's like trying to do something a little different we all kind of take different paths to achieve yeah. different ends you know what i mean so ben, I think ben makes some amazingly useless things that are so beautiful That's but true. i love that you make them because it's like for instance you made what a, a carrera marble coat hanger that if you drop it it completely shatters but i love that you just fucking tried it just to see because I think it, what you those know are my is disco it, years yeah. it takes you to another place like that mistake takes yeah. you to another thing that was a luxury to be in a place stepping away from boxed water for a little bit and some of these things that are very uh, tactile use of design to solve uh, you know an environmental issue yeah. the career marble, marble hanger was me taking a bit of a mental design vacation I right. think yeah. but I suggest you guys check it out <laughs> Yeah. alright so I'm afraid we're out of time but uh, thank you guys for coming out give these guys a round of applause